Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Believe in Overwatch League Podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. We are Matt and Kevin, and each week we're bringing you news about gaming, pop culture, and of course, Overwatch. This week we have a lot of Overwatch 2 news to break down, plus more updates on Activision and Blizzard. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to our first summer episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. We are recording this on Wednesday, June 22nd, so it is the second day of summer. Hooray. How how have you been, Kevin? How is summer treating you? Uh, it's uh, It was 104 yesterday. <laughs> um, it, it was ridiculously hot at work, and uh, AC not working good so um yeah it not only is it hot outside but when you're in a room with 40 kids plus oh, 45 no. pcs running wait 40 uh, kids in this program well okay so it's i have like 11 myself but there's another like 29 for media so oh. like we have to share the space and all the pcs are running all at the same time so yeah it starts to like bake in there a little bit um but yeah, I, I mean, it's been going pretty well. Uh, we we started to find a little bit of a formula to follow, so it's not too crazy. Um, but yeah, it it's definitely like an interesting experience. It's it's great to you know bestow wisdom upon kids, but also <laughs> uh, it, it's also fun to like you know make sure that they know what they're here for. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> I love it when people are like, I had a camper come in and be like, all right, I'm the best one here. And I'm like, all right, uh, bet. And <laughs> they're like, okay, uh, we'll take them 1v1s. Both the, and he was like, he didn't clarify, right? He wasn't like, I'm I'm the best camper here. He's like, I'm the best one period here. And I'm oh, like, okay. all right, dude, I love your confidence, but let's, let's 1v1. And <laughs> like, I knocked him down a peg and I'm like, mm, okay, buddy. <laughs> like, I'm Humbling not even that good. Children. Like, I'm not even that good, so <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll help you out with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's fun. It's it's definitely a fun little camp that we got going on. Uh, can be streamed online a little bit, but uh, we'll get around to that either next year or at least like later on in the program. So, what's the formula um, you guys have perfected for this camp? So, um, overall, the schedule kind of remains the same. It's like. The kids arrive at like nine o'clock. We have like a short PowerPoint about what we're doing today, what we're doing that day. Um, and we're kind of just introducing them to the different like types of esports in general. Um, and then they have to play that game for two hours until lunch. Um, they have lunch for an hour and then they go ahead and take another hour to code. They do coding with uh, the other teacher who is really good at that. Um, and then after that, it's essentially free time and like free play. And during that time, like we have to like just kind of monitor what they're doing. But if they don't have any questions, we could we could kind of hop in and play along with them uh, to just either give them pointers or, uh, you know, just fill out certain groups. So, mm. yeah, um, essentially, it's just like we're exposing them to a whole bunch of different esports and it's fun for I would say it's fun for everybody like who who doesn't who wouldn't want to play esports for like a whole day in camp 
Um, I mean, that sounds like a but, ton of fun. Yeah, and like each one is like based off of a certain like type of genre. So like um, our Mondays are usually like MOBAs. We go into like League of Legends. We go into Dota 2. Uh, if anybody's interested, Pokemon Unite, you know, just like specific like MOBAs that are fun for the kids um, to start them off. Um, Tuesdays, I believe we go into, yeah, we go into fighting games. So um, anything from Smash to Street Fighter, Blaze Blue, Guilty Gear, um, Skull Girls, Dive Kick, like all that Skull is Girls on the is table. So hard. I didn't realize how technical <laughs> that game is. Yeah, it's uh, it's very much Street Fighter esque. You know, it's got that. It's got the six button fighting scheme. So um, it does take a little bit of time to getting used to, but that was another one that like I know I poured a little bit of time into. Um, it's just a hard time remembering combos in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that lesson as well in fight in fighting, we also introduce them to different types of peripherals. So um, we have like the basic ones, you know, mouse and keyboard. You have your basic controller for either you know Xbox, PS4, um, you know Nintendo Switch, whatever you happen to have. Um, but then we also introduce them to fight sticks. So we're like, this is what it's like at an arcade. And people will be going with this usually uh, when you see fighting game tournaments. So don't think that it's weird that if you pull up to, you know, pull up to a fighting game with a controller and this guy's got like a weird stick looking thing. Uh, <laughs> it's just something that, you know, people use. And then we introduce them to like, I think my favorite part of that one is the fun peripherals, what we call quote unquote fun peripherals. So they're like, any peripheral that isn't traditional so like mm-hmm. the donkey conga bongos the uh the people who play with like bananas that they just hook yeah up to a, a circuit yeah. board yeah the banana circuit board you have um one of my favorite ones there was a fighting game guy who used a guitar a modded guitar hero controller and i was like that <laughs> that is ridiculous uh not only are you styling on them with you know the guitar hero controller but he's also like pulling off full-on combos is kind of ridiculous um so yeah it, it yeah it's it's a thing um I, I could give you the video if you're if you're ever interested in taking a peek at it um but yeah it's it's that there's also like other um just, just like introduction to referrals then um our thursday or no wednesday our wednesdays are fps day um, we originally couldn't do Valorant, but now we got the the go ahead because the only other alternative was uh, CS:GO because we couldn't get sta- we couldn't get a uh, licenses for Overwatch because it's not free to play until next year. So yeah, uh, Oct- October actually October four. So we were saying October, or if they happen to get a beta key, which we'll definitely go mm. over later. Um, but those are the options there. Um, then Thursday, Thursday is our like kind of weird, like I would say niche gaming. Um, it's not just like traditional, um, essentially it's anything that's non-traditional. So Pokemon VGC, um, Pokemon VGC, Mario Kart, um, auto battlers, like auto chess, such as like TFT, um, what other games do we have in there? Um, Tetris. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, literally like puzzle, like competitive puzzle gaming. 
Um, so Thursday is a very weird day just to be like, hey, guys, you can play competitive Pokemon. Did you know that? And they're like, oh, no, but OK. Um, but yeah, it's it's that you have to teach them like. Essentially exposing them to all the other random games there are. Um, and then Friday, we essentially ask the kids at the end of Thursday, we're like, hey, what was your favorite game as a camp? Like who what what games you guys like? And they're like, oh, OK, well. Most of them usually lean towards like an FPS of some sort. Uh-huh. Um, and then we're like, okay, so Friday is our tournament day. We, we essentially set up a bracket um, and we let them you know, go head to head and or just go ahead and like practice against each other um, in like full camp, like involved games. Um, and yeah, those usually either turn up like super fun or uh most of it is like a good learning experience to like see where people are picking up on certain things and uh-huh. how well they do um and then yeah we just kind of send them off and then it just restarts the next week so um there are some students who like come back you know who, who have been there for you know previous sessions but essentially like them facing off against the new campers is always interesting but also it gives them a different experience depending on what their uh uh what what they try that week, you know? Mm-hmm. How many more weeks you got left? Ooh, I have until the end of July. So Oh, you got a whole nother um, month. <laughs> I got like another six weeks of this. Um and uh yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting because like um I, I've been telling a lot of people and like I'm I'm waiting to make the push. I think I'm gonna do it on Friday. Um I wanna get back into streaming. So I think Friday will be the day that I finally like take the leap and say like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and stream live. Huzzah. Um, we're, we're finally doing it. Um, and essentially the, the main idea for that is I want to make the push for August. Hopefully, you know, I want to, I want to book, I want to get, I want to get booked. I want to, I want to get, uh, I get the okay sign from the Pokemon company to go to London. Um, and, or give me an excuse to go to London. So, I think What's that is London? the um, the Pokemon World Championships are oh. happening in London, and they have casters and commentators for like Pokemon Unite. They've been making a really big like push about that, um, and so what I'm thinking is like if I happen to you know stream a lot, get some content out, uh, maybe we can squeeze our way into there. Um, if not, I might just go to just to hang out with like some of the people who are big in the scene and I've, I've met online, but I've never met in person. So uh, we'll see if that is the case. Um, but for the most part, I do want to like make that push. Yeah. Um, see it, see if we happen to get there. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a fun little thing that's going on. Essentially I get to play games all day uh, and uh, pub stomp a couple kids on the way. Uh, not <laughs> accidentally as a, teaching lesson um it's really funny so like we uh this week we actually have a camper who plays overwatch and like the original like overwatch one so six on six and uh they're like oh yeah i'm a a healer main um they're just trying to you know figure out certain characters i'm like okay 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 and i was like have you ever played with like a tank who knows how to rotate and like save you. And he's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, no. I'm like, all right, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go over this. So essentially like I hopped in as, as a Ryan and they're like, I've never felt like anybody cared about like the on in the back when they get dove on. 
So I'm like, yo, just just let me know if somebody like jumps you. We we could easily turn around and kill them real quick. And they're like, okay. And so like it it's just a really cool experience to like connect with a camper through like not just Overwatch, but like any other games as well. But mm-hmm. um just being like, yeah, there's a different way. There's like another level of playing this game. It's not just like running in and shooting them, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a lot more to it than uh than just you know they're shoot shoot they're down okay that's game right there's a lot more um and bringing that to their attention is always like it's really fun when they pick it up otherwise they just keep doing the same thing and you're just like all right (laughs) you have fun uh what about you matt how's your week how's everything going on your end um it's been okay this is tech week for us for the play um again we're doing barefoot in the park by neil simon um we open on friday and it's it's friday saturday sunday uh we are uh i don't know why but for whatever reason the theater that we're in right now only booked us for one week i think they had like other other like events that they were planning around the same time we were trying to find a second theater um we weren't able to find a second theater that would do it for cheap enough so we only have the one week, which is okay. I get to rest. Now I get to, instead of having to like wait for another week, I can like fully dive into planning the, uh, the horror podcast that I'm going to do. Um, what else? I picked up the new Ninja Turtles game. I haven't really had a chance to play it that much just because life is busy still. But I'm looking forward to like playing that because I didn't really go to a lot of arcades when i was a kid i i went to like chuck e cheese some of the time but i only played the games that gave you tokens because i want not tokens tickets because i wanted the uh i wanted to win the prizes but i didn't get anything good ever because i wasn't that good um and the only other time i really go to a uh, an arcade is when i'd go to like las vegas as a uh, reward for like competing in taekwondo tournaments i'm um, speaking of i think we're getting around one in my mall kevin hey let's go so I'm gonna go I'm break those. <laughs> gotta go set those records real quick. Yep. Gotta try to replicate the Kevin arm when playing the mini hoops. Yeah, I I need to get back <laughs> on that train too. Like, since since I've left the escape room, like, there's not a lot of like excuses to go over to the arcade because it's uh-huh. literally down the street. But like, now like I'm getting that itch back, and I'm like, oh, I really want to like, I really want to play again. Something I've started um, is bowling, honestly, because there's a bowling alley mm-hmm. by my house that does like $12 from 9 to closing. So it's like 9 to 1130. So, so like two and a half hours of bowling. Uh, my arms started to hurt because I don't use the muscles like that to like roll and throw. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting to see like how technical some people are with it, like their posture or like their weird ways of throwing or like how they can curve the ball. Whereas like half the time I'm getting gutter balls and the other half the time I'm either getting a spare and missing one or just or sometimes hitting a strike. So my technique is terrible, but if I keep going, we'll see if I get better at any point in time. Um, What else? Oh, my boss today during one of my meetings is like, hey, you need to take a vacation. You need to take time off. So I'm like, "Okay, well, I was planning on going to camp anyway, so I'll just do that. So my vacation is going to be going up to Unicamp probably. Nice. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, that, I feel we like... don't have we don't have video games up there to keep the kids <laughs> occupied. We have nature and the outdoors and bugs and stuff. Yeah, we we have that equivalent at Berkeley as well. It's like um I believe it's called Blue Camp where they just go out or explore explore camp. They go out and literally like look at bugs and the forest and stuff. And I'm like, we're we're the weird kids who are just like <laughs> literally shoved in the like upper corner of the campus who are just playing games all day. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean, you is don't it, have to worry about life. bug bites. We don't. Or sunburn. Uh, we only have to worry about the heat uh, in the room. So hopefully once that gets fixed, we'll all be good. All right. It's officially midnight. Let's get into the news. <laughs> That's how um, it works. <laughs> okay. So normally, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I particularly hate NFTs and I look for any excuse to bash on them because they're dumb. Um, here's actually a pretty positive uh, NFT story, crypto story for once. So apparently Ukraine was donated an NFT. It's called CryptoPunk number 5364. Um pretty much it's of uh it's like an a, a very blocky dude it's like it's a pixelated dude with like a blue bandana or cap or some shit um with orange glasses smoking a cigarette that's what the nft is um it was donated to ukraine in march as a way to help fundraise in its war against russia it was sold for 90 ethereum which is over a hundred thousand dollars i believe it's yes it's roughly a hundred thousand dollars originally it was supposed to be worth two hundred sixty thousand dollars but with the way that cryptocurrency has been plummeting and falling um it, it didn't really get as much as it could have evidently um but it's a good thing in that i guess ukraine has more money to help sustain its war effort and survive a little bit longer. Um, I parent, also, I guess Ukraine has opened up its crypto wallet and has made more than $135 million in donations since February, including um, one Ukrainian flag NFT, which was sold for $6.75 million. So I, I guess it's a good change in pace to say something not that I support crypto or NFTs at all, but I guess it's a, a refreshing change in pace to see, like, as scammy as these things are, at least they can be used for some good in helping Ukraine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, selling something for a charitable cause is really nice. Um, I, I don't know if, like, it's enough, but it's no. definitely... Like it's at least a step in the right direction, just yeah. to like tell them, like, "Hey, we support what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, here, here's a here's an NFT that you can sell." <laughs> it helps a little bit. Okay, so the rest of this episode, this news episode, there's not really a lot else that I found that was worth covering. But so the rest of this news episode is going to be just Activision Blizzard Overwatch related. Um, so a big problem that just generally occurs within the gaming world, the competitive gaming world is cheaters um, and how to kind of circumnavigate them and try to 
mitigate their damage on people who are actually just trying to play the game. Um, Activision developed a a program called Ricochet. It was as an anti cheating um, program pl- uh, program software. That's the word I was looking for. Anti cheating software. Um, according to Blizzard, since Call of Duty started using Ricochet in 2021 um there's been a significant drop in cheaters um but on the other hand there are some other increases as well like you can't it's an ebb and flow as they call it um the reason why they were really touting um ricochet is that it helps it's a it's a learning program and it has ways to kind of make cheating not worth it for people who that it does catch so instead of just like banning the people who are cheating outright it keeps them in the game but severely limits their ability to play or kind of hampers them in in some other way um the reason that they're doing this is because uh once the software detects that someone is cheating it uses their gameplay and their behavior according to activision's blog post um to kind of learn how bad actors and cheaters behave so that that down the line, it can detect them faster and find more ways to mitigate their impact in the game. So for example, some of the ways that it uh, punishes people that it catches cheating is um, there's one called damage shield, which it lets the cheater still kind of damage and, and play the game almost like they normally would, except that every other player who isn't cheating gets damage boosted and is able to kill the cheaters faster another one is called cloaking so um once a player is detected to have been cheating um the non-cheating players that it's shooting at uh, that they are shooting at become invisible so they're kind of just looking for where all the players are and in the process they're able to get killed a lot easier because they're just looking around for players that they can't see um disarm is another one which it literally takes away their guns. They can't shoot. They can't even like melee or fight. So, um, yeah. So according to Activision Blizzard, this is becoming a very effective way for them to learn how cheaters operate, learn their behavior, learn the techniques that they use, and hopefully we'll be allowing them to, um, keep the gameplay experience better for everyone overall in the future as, this software learns better. They're not going to be able to take cheaters out of the game completely because I don't think that's ever going to be possible because whatever um, whatever advances that Activision Blizzard does, just I guess by definition or by default, they're always going to be a step behind the cheaters who are innovating new ways to cheat in the game. So it's never going to be like a perfect solution, but they can hopefully learn how to prevent it even better i think this is hilarious i think that this is like a really like smart idea like it's a essentially it's like a learning program that's like constantly figuring out what the cheaters are doing in order to cheat and then utilizing that to like find future cheaters and like what they can do with it so um i i really like this (laughs) i I do like the antics that, you know, uh, Activision is taking here. They're like, okay, well, uh, what if you didn't have a gun? <laughs> like, what if <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for them to do like, um, what's it called? Like, 
the in-game humiliation thing where like all your real guns are replaced with like squirt guns and you have to wear like a dunce hat the whole time like <laughs> we we know that companies have done it before um where they'll just like they'll be like yeah sure you can play the game but you look like an idiot the whole time um and everybody knows that you're a cheater at that point so uh we'll see if that is the case uh or if they go ahead and do that yeah i think this is really smart because i i rather than just banning everybody and not learning they're they're using the cheaters to their advantage and also like making their gameplay kind of hellish because not only are they not able to like get the full advantage of their cheating, they're actually being put at a disadvantage. So I think this is hilarious. I love it. I think this is a a good step in the right direction that Activision is taking for cheating. Um, unfortunately, there's also a, a backward step that they are taking in other areas. So um, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard had a shareholders meeting very recently to vote for certain aspects of this whole uh, sexual and um, public harassment that they've been fighting for the past. I think, has it been almost a year now, Kevin? I feel like it's been close to a year. Uh, yeah. I, it, yeah, potentially. I, it feels it's, like it's been a while. It's been forever that they've been fighting with this. Um, mm-hmm. So in this recent board meeting, um, the Activision Blizzard shareholders approved the proposal from New York State Comptroller. I never understood what a comptroller was. I should probably have looked that up. But New York State Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli requesting that the company publicly report on its effort to stop workplace discrimination and harassment um, in the meeting was on Tuesday. Um the proposal requested that Activision Blizzard is going to share information, including compensation data, the company's total number of sexual harassment settlements, progress, and and other, um, and, and just other aspects of how they're handling sexual harassment. Um, the vast majority of the shoulders, not shoulders, shareholders. I mean, shareholders have shoulders. <laughs> um, the vast majority of shareholders approved the election of ten directors to the board. Um, in spite of a a lesser number, a, a minority of the shareholders, including Bobby Kotick, who I don't understand why he's still part of this board, um, including Bobby Kotick saying that he didn't want these new shareholders, um, I mean these new directors on the board. Eighty-eight um, percent of shareholders voted yes to the company's executive compensation packages because, of course, they're going to vote for their for being paid more. Um, <clears throat> so do you not. Do, Dana Poli said that the shareholders' majority vote spoke loudly. Activision Blizzard needs to restore investor confidence and increase transparency on how it handles workplace harassment and discrimination. We expect swift action from the company on our concerns. Um, Blizzard released an update last Thursday saying that they found no evidence to suggest that Activision Blizzard senior executives ever intentionally ignored or attempted to downplay the instances of gender harassment that occurred and were reported. Um, so essentially what their report is saying that while these things happened, it's unfortunate, but there was no active effort to hush these things up or downplay them. Um, it The report affirmed that there were some substantiated instances of gender harassment, but it it cleared senior leadership of any um, 
any involvement in hushing them up. I don't really know if I believe that this is an internal report coming from Activision Blizzard. I so I need I would need to read it and see if it was independently corroborated. But if it's not, and I I am conjecturing without reading the goddamn report, which is not a not the greatest position. But just with everything that Blizzard has done recently, I don't really believe them per se. Um, but in addition to the progress that was made in saying that Activision has to report the, this information publicly about like the compensation data and the number of harassment settlements, um, they didn't really push progress all the way because there was a, a vote to also include um, a member, uh, just an employee member of the company who would be voted by non-board members to the board to help voice employee concerns, but only 5% of the shareholders voted in favor of it. So that is um, that is a very discouraging sign. According to Joost Van Drunen, who is a lecturer on the business of games at NYU, Um, He said, it's clear to me from these voting results that shareholders do not see the need to incur any meaningful changes to the operational structure other than collaborating with the NYS comptroller. The outright rejection of allowing an employee rep on the board sends a signal that they are not ready for true change. The only chance to resolve Activision's endemic issues will be once it assumes Microsoft's playbook post-acquisition. It is a missed opportunity to lead from the top. And I feel like that kind of encapsulates everything that happened in this entire meeting at least what they're releasing um they're making some baseline changes but they're not really committing to changing their culture or being held responsible if they really did care about um making change and meaningful change that will be beneficial to their employees then they would have included they would have voted in favor of having an employee rep on their board. So um, even though we're covering a lot of Blizzard news this week, and this is a, I guess, a, a game about a Blizzard or podcast about a Blizzard game, um, Blizzard does not have my vote of confidence in this. I think, like he said, this is a huge missed opportunity to restore faith in Blizzard's willingness to do what's right. Yeah, it's more of them like protecting themselves, I feel like, rather than them actually tackling the actual problem here. So mm-hmm. I hope that like I hope that Blizzard can fix what they were doing. Um, but I I don't know if people can support the company after this. It's like they're doing the very basic minimum so that they can say, see, look, we're making changes without really doing anything that's going to require them to put any effort or make any change in the way that they run the business. All they're doing is reporting, really. That's all they've agreed to do. Mm -hmm. So it's literally just like hire somebody to compile numbers and publish them. That's all that they have to do. So it's a very like slap on the wrist kind of thing for them but at the very least it is progress we need more they need to do more but 
it's a very sad and very slow start on Blizzard being held accountable. And with that, let's go to Overwatch 2 stuff. So <laughs> just by nature of the day that we record this podcast on a Wednesday, um, we missed covering the actual reveal when it happened by a day. We we covered like the tease of it that they did. Um, but we didn't actually like the day after the day that I published the article and put it online is the day. I mean, even after the reveal event happened. So we're a little bit behind. We're kind of doing a last week tonight kind of thing here um covering things late but it's okay uh, it's all good yeah we're, we're trying we're sorry but we trying um so so we sat with down with a bunch of people in a video that is i think it's like 45 minutes long ish um and she talked with like aaron keller for example paul haley the production director um dion who's a character designer and, and some other folks um and they just talked about everything that's coming from Overwatch 2. So, as we all know, it is moving to a free-to-play live service model. Um, what that means is that you don't have to pay a subscription to play Overwatch 2. But if you want to unlock some, like, goodies and, like, new skins, etc., um, you're going to have to pay to be part of a Battle Pass system. Um, this is going to be incorporated with a nine week seasonal model so the first season is coming when the game releases october 4 um season one is going to feature uh i mean with the base game like this isn't you don't have to pay for this part of it but like there's going to be three new heroes which is sojourner uh the junker queen and a support hero which looks like it's going to be the fox hero that they've been teasing um there's going to be six new maps which are new queen street circuit royal Colosseo, Rio, Midtown, and Portugal, I believe, is going to be included in this um, update the season. They're going to include push mode. There are going to be 30 new skins and a mystery cosmetic, which we don't know what it is yet. Uh, the second season is going to start December 6th, and it's going to feature a new tank hero, which I'm guessing is probably going to be MAGA, because... I mean, yeah, we... <laughs> Unless they throw something completely random at us, but yeah, I mean, Maga's the one we've been expecting for a while now. He, we were supposed to get him before Sigma, but like they uh, they updated him for for lore's sake. So I mean, I'm happy with Sigma as he is. Um, I'd like it to be Maga, but if they pull something completely like unexpected, like I hear that we don't know yet, I would not mm -hmm. be upset, especially because it's a new tank. Um, we're gonna get a new map. We don't know what that one is yet. I don't know if it's going to be Portugal during this bit or this second season, or if it's going to be something new. Um, they're going to introduce mythic skins. And this is when the battle pass is actually going to come into play. So that second season. Um, and then in 2023, they're going to continue every nine weeks. There's going to be a new um, season and they're going to start releasing the PVE with each season in 2023. Um, the way that the the rollout's going to work with these different seasons is there's every other season, there's going to be a new hero released. And in between those hero releases, there's going to be a new map release. Um, they have two more supports and a tank coming soon. Um, so we're expecting the Fox hero. We're expecting possibly MAGA. And then a, a hero that we don't know about that's coming for support. 
the next map that we are going to be able to play is Rio and then Portugal. Portugal is going to be a push map. Rio, I believe, is an escort map. Um, so hopefully we'll see both of those when the beta and the full game release. Um, we're going to get cross-progression between the, all of our platforms. So everything you've you've earned in Overwatch 1, everything that you're going to earn in Overwatch 2 on Switch, um, Xbox, PlayStation, PC, um, on your account, you can just access it whatever platform you're playing, which is really nice. I know that was a complaint that happened when... I mean, with, with Overwatch 1, people like would have to start an account from scratch every single time they wanted to get a new platform. Um, so th- I think that is a, a good quality of life upgrade. Um, they are revamping PvP. So we know about the emphasis on 5v5. Um, they changed Overwatch 1's maps to fit that playstyle. They've, According to the developers, they've moved around a lot of the pieces of cover. Um they updated the art so that it runs on this new engine and allows for like the moving with the moving of the cover it allows for better um better play because you only have the one tank and there is a huge nerf to shields and a de-emphasis on shields in overwatch 2 which as a shield tank i don't particularly like um one of the things that they've been touting about overwatch 2 is the emphasis on the sound design something that they showed was that for overwatch 2 they went around to the actual locations that they're depicting and recorded sound from those locations so it's going to hopefully if they're to be trusted um it's going to feel more like you're actually there and feel more authentic comp is going to feature a new in-game scoreboard so hopefully we'll get a little bit better idea of the statistics of gameplay and like you can really better gauge how you're doing as compared to the other team and people on your own team as opposed to like the squabbling people do now with i have more golds than you um there's also going to be an after action report when your matches are done i don't know what's going to be in them we'll see when we get our hands on it and see what kind of information and is going to be included and how that's useful uh, they're going to revamp the ranking system. There's going to be a new skill tier system. That's kind of like it's kind of like the current tier system. But I feel I think the way that they described it is that like there's going to be sub tiers within that tier system. It's not as rigid as the current model we have now. And according to the developers, like if someone makes it up to a really high tier, um, they're going to definitely deserve it. They're not just going to be kind of placed there. I, I, it's very vague how they described it, but we'll see. Um, the audio also has been revamped to kind of accommodate different setups that people have for audio. Originally, Overwatch was developed with PC and headsets in mind, but for, there's people now who play on console, and consoles have a lot better audio they did when Overwatch started back in 2016. So they're accommodating that. They're accommodating home theater systems, which is going to be nice. Um, they've recorded 25,000 voice lines for Overwatch 2, which that's a lot of voice lines. Um, and with the battle pass system coming, they're doing away with loot boxes completely. There's going to be an in-game store. Um, they're introducing a new cosmetic system so you can get weapon charms to, um, personalize your, your character's weapon. And it gives you something to look at from the first person view. 
They're adding banners and they're adding customizable mythic skins with the Genji cyberpunk demon being the first one to come. That is a lot. So let's go and break this down from the top, Kevin. What do you feel like about everything that we've seen from Overwatch 2 so far to start? And then we'll just get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, I, I like the direction that they're going. Um, I just feel this is just a personal thing for me. I think it's a little too late. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I feel yeah. like like if we want to bring this into their competition as well. Like I follow both, you know, sides. I'm not just mm-hmm. you know playing devil's advocate here, but um, like Valorant has been doing this since the beginning. Uh, we have right. the they have three acts, and then the acts are um, new character, new map new game mode every single time so the fact that like you know overwatch 2 and blizzard is like hey wait we got to play catch up we got to get a battle pass if we're going free to play we have to find a way to monetize um that happens to be the way how they're how they're answering back to this um it's going to be really interesting to see um how blizzard tackles this and i also feel like this is also kind of the answer to the the whole loot box thing that's been going around mm-hmm. um where they're trying to ban loot boxes and like random chance um but i don't know if that is exactly the case they they might just want them to you know buy battle passes and get experience through that rather than having to just like pay to get whatever skins you want here right yeah I do agree that it does feel very late. Like battle passes have been around forever and it's, it just feels like they were, they've been playing catch up from the beginning because like when Valorant came out, like you, you mentioned back then how they're continuously pumping out new characters they are continuously updating with, like you said, characters, maps and game modes. And the pace hasn't stopped really. Has it Kevin? They, they've been consistent with it. Yeah, they've been really consistent with it. Um, they just started a new act, like, literally today. Hmm. So um, they just announced a new map. Um, and they're just really, like, they're really consistent with it. Um, that is something that, yeah. you know, the Overwatch community hasn't had consistency for, what, mm-hmm. two two years now? Yeah, and even um, the new kid on the block, like, Pokemon Unite has been updating pretty frequently. Yeah, it's just like a matter of knowing when to like address your audience and what they need help with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it, it just feels really weird that yeah. You know, a, a game as big as Overwatch is now starting to finally catch on to it. I feel like as much as we love Papa Jeff, I feel like this the catch up that they're having to play comes from maybe his philosophy when it came to Overwatch in that he According to reports, he never wanted it to be continuously updated. He wanted to kind of make it, leave it out there, and then move on to the next project. I I think I might have been a little bit too harsh. Insert Thanos meme here. I may have judged Aaron Keller too harshly at the beginning uh, and saying that he wasn't Jeff. When it it's looking like right now, based on what we know about him and like what we know about Jeff and what, what's happening now with the decisions he's making, um, it seems like he is more interested in in getting Overwatch to the point where it is able to continuously have updates and continuously build up its player base. Um, 
my question is 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 they're saying all of this now and it's it's going to be nice at least for the first couple seasons to be getting continuous updates but can they keep it um can they keep it consistent how long can they manage to do this well the the thing is like it's good that they're doing it but it depends on how well they can retain their player base again um it it was a very different market two two or three years ago at like the height of you know overwatch so you're now competing with not only like not only do you have to set a standard for yourself, but you also have to like compete with now Valorant, Apex, yeah. uh, Fortnite in order to get the attention of you know this generation of gamers. So you're gonna have to win back all the players that you lost in the beginning. Yeah, so this is definitely an uphill battle. Um, I think this is the right direction if they're going for like a freemium model kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just the way how it has to be. But um, if they can be consistent for like another year, honestly, like this is just a personal thing for me. I think that if they took the time to like perfect the game, even if like they had to, I I would hate to say this, but like if they had to take a break from focusing on the Overwatch League to redevelop how Overwatch is played as a competitive esport. I would I would love to take a year off of the league to hash that out and make sure that it's ready. And then we know that there's, you know, interest and investment in it. So it's just a matter of like, yeah, it's good, but like we need to make sure that everything is all good, not only for like them, but also the regular player base as well. Yeah. So looking at like what they've revealed so far, I mean like season one, what do you think that mystery cosmetics going to be? Do you think it's going to be something like new or is it just going to be like, Oh, here's a skin mystery cosmetic. I I would like it to be, you know, I, I hope it's something new. I hope it, they're just like, Hey, uh, shoes or something <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, the the cool thing is like it would be like if you can <sighs> this is really ambitious but if you had the ability to mix and match skins hmm you would that would be just like a big feature overall but you would have to be able to take each one apart i mean that's kind of um, what they're doing with the mythic skins though yeah um so i i think that's doable um I don't know if that is the ideal way of how they're going to go about it, but um, that would be cool. But like cosmetic wise, I really don't know unless it's like weapon, not gold. Um, hmm, like that's right. Cause they were also could, thinking of, they're also thinking yeah. of new things that you could earn that weren't gold guns. Yeah. But is that just, is that just what the, the charms are? Do you think? Yeah, it could be the charms as well. Um, I don't know. It. I feel like it could be any of those. Like once again, I still feel like they're playing catch up with their competition. And right. if this is the way how they have to do it, then yeah. Um, I do think that like bringing up the interests of like 
what can they bring cosmetically to to Overwatch that would make me want to come back again? And it's not just like you know, oh, okay, well, we'll just reskin Genji again. It's just like no, <laughs> we, we need we need something like new, new. You can't just you can't just change the colors and expect us to be like oh, different skin, cool. Uh, there there needs to be a little bit more put into this. So while we're on the topic of like the mythic skins and the the charms, like what do you think of including that in Overwatch too? Uh, that that is the thing of playing catch up, um, with Valorant. <laughs> like Valorant has gun buddies on it because there's no way to customize the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly because like the silhouette and the colors need to be like instantly recognizable. Um when it comes to you know gunfight and like where certain things are um but when it comes to i guess the rest of the game in general like um yeah like we already have full hero skin so i don't know if gun charms are like gonna bring it back any anytime soon but it is like nice to have that for you know your character whoever you happen to be using Mm -hmm. um I don't know if there's anything like really fancy for it <laughs> that would that would make it uh ridiculously different. Yeah, because see one of my problems like not my I guess not problems, but one of my complaints about certain games and like F like first person things is that you don't get to ever see what your character looks like. There's not a lot of like benefit to you besides having the skin, like other players like the enemy team your teammates benefit more of seeing your skin than you actually do from owning it so i think that including the the weapon charms is a fun way to kind of give you as the player something to look at um because a lot of the time like i don't even really notice the differences in a lot of the weapons sometimes i'm not even paying attention to it and i'm probably like when it comes to it, I'm probably not going to pay attention to the charms as much, but I think it's a fun inclusion into it. I'm interested in seeing what the Mythic Skins system is like. From what it sounds like, from what I understand and what they've shown, it looks like they give you different components of the Mythic Skin, and you can kind of pick and choose what to include in your your character. It's kind of like how, how how to describe what I'm trying to what I'm thinking of. Um, it's like they're giving you like one of those like those high end action figures where they give you like five different heads, seven different hands, etc., 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 and you just kind of pick and choose and piece together from that to create what your individualized mythic skin is and i think that's interesting and i i wonder if it would be possible if they'd include it down the line where you could mix and match between different mythic skins for a certain character so if like they had like this upcoming like cyberpunk demon genji and then they later down the line had like swim time pool noodle mythic skin genji would you be able to like swap different components between pool noodle genji and and cyberpunk demon genji because that would be incongruous 
but funny as hell. I mean, imagine fighting a Soldier 76 and, like, Top is, like, 100%, like, true soldier. And then he's just wearing the shorts and the flip-flops from, like, the barbecue one. <laughs> it's like, there's no Flash in uh in Overwatch, but I, I would say Soldier 76's legs at that point become a Flash. <laughs> Speaking of skins, like they they they're saying in season one, there's thirty new skins. Season two, there's thirty new skins. Do you think that's in that's like all new skins you can unlock and earn, or is that like thirty new skins including the base skins of Overwatch two? Hmm. I I want to say that it they should all be different. Like it would be it would be nice if they happen to be like this is for like certain things like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to describe it like yeah um yeah i just lost my train of thought but like what what was i on <laughs> um yeah the hours are really getting to us here <laughs> um but yeah it's Oh, I, I like literally had it. Uh, I, <laughs> um, what what were we on? We we're just talking about. We're talking about whether or not they're going to the skins that they're teasing that thirty new, plus new. Skins. Yes, 30, 30 new skins are going to be unique. Thirty use, yeah. new skins. Okay, yeah, I I think I want to say yes. I I do. Um, I would love it to be that way. Um, but realistically, I think that they're either like, oh, we're reskinning like things that came from the previous game and we're moving them over. Um, or it's a mix of like, here's five new skins in the latest loot box. The rest of them are moving over from Overwatch one and mm. are like redeemable. But I think that it yeah. like, that's the thing. It'll be like 30 new skins, but it'll be like the, the summer games skins uh, just remastered and, mm-hmm. and coming in. So you don't know. Yeah. See, I'd, I'd like to think that since this is a new game, that they are going to give us 30 new skins to actually unlock that are not just the base skins or are not recolors from Overwatch 1. But considering like what they did with the Overwatch anniversary remakes where they're like, oh, there's so many, like, this is the most new skins we've ever released that you can unlock, and it's just recolors of old skins. Like, that put a very bad taste in my mouth with Overwatch's claims because that's, while it's true, it's a little disingenuous. So I'm a little worried that that might be what they're doing here. I think if they did it, it would be a huge misstep and they'd get a lot of backlash for it like they did with the remix skins. But I would not put it past them right now to pull something like that. Although I think just with how big they're trying to push for Overwatch 2 being the next big thing, I honestly don't think that they would risk it. But I wouldn't put it past them, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what they decide to do with it. Um, I hope that... I hope that they deliver on 30 brand new skins. Uh, We will see. Uh... But we won't know until it it actually happens, you know. Yeah. Um. So another another thing that they really emphasized, and I think the second half of this reveal also was Junker Queen's abilities. Um. 
or not Junker Queen's abilities, but the Junker Queen herself, and they they did her her story cinematic. They did her um, her actual full cinematic. Um, but here are her abilities. She has her primary fire, which is her scatter gun. It's a pump action shotgun with a small spread that is quote scary at short range. Um, her jagged blade is a secondary fire. Um, her a passive on that is it's a it's her quick melee, which wounds enemies and damages them over time. Um, the actual ability of Jagged Blade is you can throw the blade and call it back to you, which will pull the enemy towards you as well. Um, her ultimate is called Rampage. Um, she charges forward, wounds enemies, and deals damage over time, preventing them from being healed. She also has another ability called Commanding Shout. It increases her health by 200 and all her near allies' health by 100. It increases movement speed by 30%. Um, her uh, Carnage ability is it swings her axe to wound all enemies in front of her, dealing damage over time. And I think this is a passive. Um, she has an adrenaline rush, which is lifesteal, which heals damage from... Um, heals. She heals from all damage over time dealt by wounds. So wounding is a very big aspect of her kit. Mm, yeah, this is kind of giving me like not like the the vampire character thing like they kind of like hit that on the head with moira but like this one kind of it's it's what genji had in like beta um where if you got hit by the blade you would like bleed over time you would like deal damage over time and so them implementing this into junker queen's kit is really interesting and i think that it's like it's really cool to see um to see this like getting played forward yeah um so this now being a mechanic that junker queen could take advantage of um i wonder like i wonder if wounding does anything else besides just like oh like inflict status here right um i think it prevents like, you from being healed too yeah so i feel like that's another like really interesting thing overall it's just gonna be like if you if you utilize Junker Queen to the fullest advantage, you can essentially negate other characters from playing the game. It's like um, you have Ana as a uh, as a tank almost with her yeah. anti nade. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see overall. So, um, you know, less, uh, I guess less, you know, shield like a front tank, more of a aggressive style, like creating space for your team kind of uh tank so really interesting kit overall it feels like they kind of mashed up doomfist a little bit with reinhardt is yeah just looking at her and looking at the footage that they've shown that's kind of what i feel about her play style it's like a more aggressive more divey reinhardt yeah i, I could see that like it it's kind of a mix of both of them um where you want to have that like pressure you want to have that presence um and i don't know like i when i saw the when i saw the knife i was and the recall of it i thought it was pulling the bastion off you know mm -hmm. and i was like hmm wait isn't that just like hook isn't that just like it's kind of like when like what would make us pick like roadhog over junker queen now like Junker Queen is just she has more utility. Right, uh, right. 
So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how they're going to utilize that moving forward. True. But I feel like I feel like we've said that like people, the community, not just we, but the community has said that before with a lot of different heroes. Like when Sombra was released, they're like, oh, why would anyone ever play Tracer? Um, when Echo was released, it's like, why would anyone ever play Farah? So I, I currently I, I do agree that th- there's really I don't see any reason to play Roadhog again because she has a heal over time. She has her, her healing. Her healing can be extended to her allies. And she has that that pull in close mechanic with her thing, plus the wounding. So I wonder if this is going to necessitate in future patches, maybe some updates to Roadhog to make him viable at all, as opposed to a Drunken Queen pick. Yeah, they're probably going to have to rework Roadhog again, or <laughs> like there has to be something that he does um, yeah. that makes him more unique. And I, uh, like, if you really do have to borrow from like other things, I would say like it, he has the same kit as like Pudge and Blitzcrank from, from MOBAs. So I'm like, if I would hate to do this, but like, if Roadhog had like a stench ability where it's just like when you're within a certain radius of Fat Man, like you move slower, um, like that would be another CC ability that they would have to deal with or like to have something a little bit more unique, especially if you're going to do something like this with Junker Queen. So while we're on the topic of new heroes, what do you I, I think it's almost guaranteed that our, our new support hero is going to be the Fox hero when she comes out. Um, any any like hopes, expectations, anything you'd like to see from that new support hero? Um, uh, it, it's interesting to like pick that apart because like I, they did show them on. Um, I believe it was Kanazaka, right? Like the yeah, that's where the, the tease is. Yeah, the tease is so like everybody kind of pointed to that yokai, um, like graffiti that is in the, on that map. Um, so the thing that like I want to think about here is what what would the little like fox spirits do? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I had this concept like a while ago. It's really dumb, but um. I thought it would be really cool if we had a dog support hero. Um, and this was just like a pitch that I think I had with a couple friends just for fun. But like essentially it's like a health pack dog. And like you go around and you go to health packs and you like pick it up and you could throw it at people. But because you're like picking it up and bringing it to them, um, it gives you a little bit of a buff. But it also like it gives an increased amount because you're picking it up for them. And like their whole like kit was like you move faster um, when you have a health pack in your mouth, uh, but you can't shoot. That is a, that is a trade off. So essentially you're like full medic mode. Um, But I don't know if they would implement that, especially with like the little spirit things. I don't know what, you know, those things can do or what they have planned for it. Yeah. Um, we really don't have a lot of like familiar characters or like characters that could control like other smaller like versions of themselves. So um, 
we see that a lot in in their competition with like Valorant in general. But I mean, we have. You don't the, know if that is the case. Yeah, That's so like pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, we we have Riptire and then like the occasional Sentry. So like that's it. But it's really not much else to go and play off of. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that we really have seen of the Fox Hero is that little snippet, that like two second look in the um the teaser trailer for Overwatch Two, where you see the blue Fox Spirit running, and then like the the gates. Those are gates, right? Those Japanese gate things. Those are yeah. That's what they're called. Tory gates, yeah. Yeah, you see the Tory gates pop up when when it's running. So, I think maybe, well, you'll either be able to like send them out, and they'll be maybe AI controlled fox spirits to maybe do something similar to what you're saying. It's like collect the uh, the health packs, or maybe you'll be able to control them, which would be an interesting mechanic to extend to another character um besides Junkrat. so i honestly don't know what i would want from another support hero um because there there would have to be some healing mechanic otherwise it wouldn't be worth it really to pick a support hero that doesn't have healing because you need the health you put yourself at a disadvantage without it um but I wonder what, like, what kind of weapon they would have. Like, what hasn't been done yet? Yeah, and knowing Blizzard, they they won't try to. They, it's too late now for them to be considered like original ideas, especially with like Valorant, like knocking on their door as well, mm-hmm. um, and other MOBAs as well, uh, first person shooter with like classes stuff. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide to go forward with um and if there is going to be anything cool that is uh going to be shown there um so the last thing i think that we we should cover with the news is that they are there's going to be a new overwatch watchpoint pack which is it's already available to purchase um it's it's kind of weird because it if you buy this it's 40 dollars us currency you get the season one battle pass, so you get one battle pass included. Um, you get two legendary hero skins, so there's one for Cowboy and there is one for Soldier 76. And you get 2,000 in virtual currency, an exclusive player icon. Um, and the the battle passes are going to cost 1,000 tokens each, which I think should translate to about $10 in real currency so if you buy this battle pass in addition to like one guaranteed um battle or the watchpoint pack if you buy the watchpoint pack in addition to one guaranteed battle pass you could trade in your virtual currency for two more battle passes um so that all costs forty dollars do you think it's worth it kevin i mean if you have teams that want to take a shot at it and like need it then yeah go for it but Honestly, I'm not super impatient. I would, like, I don't know how much time I could invest in Overwatch considering, like, the current state of Overwatch right now. Right. Not only that, and also, the, like, you know, the parent company and what's going on with them. So, mm-hmm. um, it's more of, like, I want to guarantee that if I am going to spend money to go and, like, you know, play this set, 
um i want it to i want it to be 100 percent like nice and ready to go you know like yeah i don't i don't want to buy into you know the first couple seasons where they're still working out the kinks yeah i feel like for me it's it's kind of tempting but i also would need to determine whether or not like i feel like the battle pass is worth it before i essentially spend enough money to buy like four battle passes and it's it's four battle passes for the price of three when you look at it assuming that a battle pass is ten dollars this is a forty dollar pass you're getting enough currency to buy two more so you get three battle passes for the price of four doesn't honestly seem like the best just economic wise but i think that extra ten dollars goes to you getting guaranteed access into the beta i think that's also one of the big selling points there for them yeah buying into the beta having early access and then on top of that having the first two battle passes um like essentially having the first two battle passes it's interesting to see if they go ahead and do that um i don't know if it's worth it for like once again like i'm i'm gonna be really hesitant to buy it um but it really does depend on like the team and if if we decide to like hey we want to try overwatch 2 we want to play it a lot more um if they convince me to make a 40 dollar business decision uh <laughs> yeah that'll be on them um but honestly like you know first year on a new game you don't want to like jump the gun uh, unless you know that it's going to be good so we'll we'll definitely have to wait on that yeah, Overwatch 2 has a little bit more proving to do before, I think before anyone's really should be ready for that. But mm-hmm. we shall see. Um, the wrong week. There we go. Um, honestly, I don't feel like there's a ton of league coverage to do, so I feel like let's just roll the league episode into this one instead of having yeah. like, a separate yeah, like maybe separate. 20 minute episode let's just let's just roll it in if you don't want to listen you don't have to you can end here because this is the end of the news and we thank you for listening but if you want to stick around and listen to the overwatch league stuff here we go so this was the first week of the midseason madness qualifiers um this is the second tournament of this season and the it's going to go from this month and july so this week that we just had was just the North America region. This week that is coming up starting Friday is going to be North America and APAC. So the results were the Florida Mayhem went 2-3 against the London Spitfire. The Dallas Fuel went 0-3 against the San Francisco Shock. The NYXL went 1-3 against the Washington Justice. The Toronto Defiant went 1-3 against the Spitfire. The Rain took 3-2 over the Boston Uprising. The Titans went 0-3 against the Gladiators. The Outlaws went 3-2 against the Washington Justice. The Paris Eternal went 1-3 against the LA Gladiators. The Dallas Fuel went 0-3 against the Atlanta Reign. Toronto Defiant was 1-3 against the Florida Mayhem. The Boston Uprising went 0-3 against the San Francisco Shock. The NYXL went 2-3 against the Paris Eternal. And the Vancouver Titans went 0-3 against the Houston Outlaws. Um, I watched a couple of these matches. Uh, this is a new season or not a new season. This is a, a new tournament. This is a new meta. This is essentially a reset for everybody. So 
Um, a lot of the teams are still kind of feeling out where things are. The meta has shifted a little bit, um, whereas I think with the last tournament, it was a lot more focused on Doomfist and Winston. Uh, this tournament, at least within the NA region, seems to be a lot more focused on Sojourn. We got, a, I think, our first ever Sojourn play in this tournament. I don't know if that was intentional on teams waiting to not it not play with Sojourn officially in the last tournament and just waiting until they were more comfortable with her as a hero to play in this tournament. Um, but they've shifted away from um, a lot of the dive and they're going a lot more, I noticed, towards a Sigma pick. Um, there was a lot of Sigma. There was still um, a decent amount of Doomfist when they needed to go dive, but with shield tanks, there's a lot more of... I mean, there was there's, there's a lot more Sigma than we had in the last tournament um i watched the rain versus the uprising uh just in general th there was a little bit of th again this was a three to two um the rain started out very dominant and they ended up very dominant i don't really know what it was towards the middle like if if you look at the first map was oasis like the the uprising didn't even have a chance they couldn't capitalize on kills they didn't really even get kills i think they only got a single kill on akaya in the first map which was city center meanwhile the rain are just getting kill after kill after kill and mopping them up there's no real chance for the uprising to even really touch the point very much they can't get their positioning they can't get their kills they're just very very heavily outclassed by the atlanta rain um eichenwald they did a little bit better but still an easy win for the rain. Um, the uprising were able to get kills, but there's still that problem of even when you get a kill, even when you are up in um, players that are still alive, they just, they can't capitalize on it. They can't convert that into taking possession of the point. Um, they did get two wins on uh, circuit Royale and Coliseo, but I mean, after that, the rain on Lee Jong just did the same thing where they were able to get kills, get better positioning, and the uprising weren't able to do anything after that. Um, moving on. So the outlaws versus the justice. I, I thought this was a good map to watch. This was not necessarily a good showing for the outlaws. I would say um, they started off very strong, but then um, so on Oasis, the Outlaws were very aggressive, got very important kills. This was a very good demonstration of what Dante can do on the Doomfist and what Pelican can do on the Tracer. A lot of really good pulse bomb sticks and kills, a lot of good um, just sneaking into the back line and farming up all percentage while distracting the uh, the Washington Justice. Then you move on to Eichenwald and all of that like good momentum and that good cohesion and planning falls to the wayside on the outlaws attack they started off very well and capped the point very quickly but when they moved on to second point um the justice took high ground and i think they did what a lot of other teams don't when you, they get the high ground is what the justice did was they were on high ground but they also made sure that the point didn't move that the cart didn't move anywhere so what other teams will do is they'll stay on high ground, but they'll let the cart just kind of go past them and not really contest it at all. 
but the justice did a good job of maintaining their better positioning and making sure that the objective stayed where they wanted it to stay. The outlaws did a very poor job at contesting that high ground. And also like they, they let happy just stay on the high ground and just pick them off with railgun shots and to just get kill after kill after kill. They didn't contest the care, the not the characters, but they didn't contest the threats that they needed to. So when it came time for the justice to move on the attack, they didn't have to push it very far and they won very easily. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really, I think that was the most notable thing about watching the outlaws is that, um, they're aggressive, but they, they have good maps and they have bad maps. The good maps are when they can go aggressive and just move in and play off. I think if they play, when they play off Dante, um, they play a lot better. I'm surprised that they let they kept Piggy and released Jongu this season. I didn't personally think Piggy was very good compared to Jongu. I think Jongu was the better choice. I mean, maybe because no, that doesn't even work either because Dante is playing a dive hero, and Piggy is, huh? Piggy's playing the Zen, which I think. Jangu was better on the shield tanks anyway. So I'm not even sure why they kept Piggy and didn't keep Jangu. Um I think they are better when they have Dante on tank rather than Piggy. Um just because I think Dante is a more mechanically skilled player. Interesting though, they did have him switch back and forth between the DPS that we're used to seeing Dante play and the tank. So they have a flex player and they're actually using him as flex, which a lot of the teams aren't doing. Um but I think that the outlaws need to figure out how to be more consistently aware of threats and adjusting to them as opposed to just kind of running the same strats over and over again when they don't work, which is what they did on um, Eichenwald. And then I watched the Eternal versus the Gladiators. Um, yeah, this was not good for the Eternal. Um, they They were able to get two um no they were able to get one map win so that it wasn't a complete smoke and they did that when they went aggressive but just overall the los angeles gladiators are showing why they won the last tournament because they are a very skilled mechanical and aggressive team um the paris eternal just aren't at that level yet there are a lot of rookies so maybe they're taking this these first couple tournaments to learn how to play together this isn't the paris eternal team that we saw a couple seasons ago that was utterly dominant and could have gone all the way um i think that that's a lot of this new season it's, it's with with how much teams have changed and how many new players they've picked up and moved around um the teams just aren't the same as as they were and that we know them to be. Paris needs to learn how to work together as a team and how to be very aggressive. They play very passively. Um and it's just it's <laughs> if they want to win, they they need to figure out what the pros are doing and then maybe make some trades while they can. But yeah, that was this week in the league. Um Really quickly, so the matches that are coming up starting on Friday are the Philly Fusion versus the LA Valiant, which, although these are 
two technically American teams. This is the APAC region. The Hunters versus the Dynasty, um, a rebroadcast of Fuel versus Valiant. The Spitfire versus the NYXL. The Mayhem versus the Fuel. The Rain versus the Titans. The Charge versus the Spark. The Dragons versus the Dynasty. The Fusion versus the Hunters. A replay of the Charge versus the Spark. The Justice versus the Defiant. The Rain versus the Shock. The Titans versus the Fuel. The Charge versus the Valiant. The Dragons versus the Spark. A rebroadcast of Dragons versus Spark. The Shock versus the Mayhem. The Outlaws versus the Gladiators. And the Eternal versus the Uprising. So there is a lot to watch this week. We're going to get our first look at the APAC region after the last tournament. I am going to watch definitely the Outlaws versus the Gladiators, even though I fully expect a Gladiators spank of the Outlaws. Um, but yeah. I do agree. A lot of these teams are still like not only getting used to the new game, but also like getting used to new teammates and like especially the whole like offseason shuffle did not make this easier for anybody. So I do think that it is going to take a little bit of time before we start seeing that level of synergy that we're used to. Um, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes, but I I don't expect teams to be like 100 percent right out the gate. Mm hmm. Oh, something I did want to, uh, want to talk about, Kevin. When you played, um, when you were playing your couple rounds of Overwatch two, when you were on the beta, um, mm -hmm. how did you feel about going up against Sojourns? Um, it she didn't feel necessarily powerful. Um, it wasn't until like you get a little bit more like reps in that you realize like, oh, okay, this does have a lot of like, this has a lot of damage <laughs> and like, yeah, um. It's just a matter of like positioning yourself and making sure that like you know that when you're landing shots, you have that right click ability to just kind of like deal a ton of damage immediately. Yeah. So I feel like it it's gonna take a little bit of a learning a learning curve, but once they finally get it down, um, a lot of teams will be on board uh, of using Sojourn a little bit more. Yeah, that right click is is especially deadly in the hands of someone like Happy, which I, I mentioned Happy. <clears throat> Happy gave the Outlaws a very difficult time on the high ground on Eichenwald. Um, but just from what I was watching, it seemed like she's very similar in playstyle to Soldier 76, mm -hmm. except that like I feel like she's more damage focused, whereas Soldier 76 um has a little bit more escape and heal potential and survivability, whereas with Sojourn it's more focused on getting the damage, getting the quick kills or like racking up the damage with her primary fire and then banking and waiting for like maybe a, a railgun gun hundred charge headshot or something like that. Yeah. One, one feels like it, it has a little bit more utility. Um, just kind of playing it. Like I, w I would say safe, but um, we won't know it until we like, continue to play sojourn and know how not only do they operate but also how people are still using um soldier 76 yeah and, or like what patch updates are going to come down in the future to maybe shake lessen, up yeah to lessen maybe her similarity to 76 mm -hmm. or something because i mean like last season we saw or not last season last tournament um we did see a lot of soldier 76 being pulled out but now it seems like it's a Sojourn meta. We'll see if that continues into this week. But pretty much every game that I saw, there was a vast majority of Sojourn play. It was maybe it was a lot of Sojourns and Tracers or Sojourns and Widows or something like that. But there was at some point in pretty much all these maps, 
there was at least one team running a Sojourn. So seems like Sojourn Sigma meta is what we're looking at right now. All right, guys, thanks for tuning into our very long mega episode of Overwatch. I believe in Overwatch League podcast. I don't even I can't even speak the name of our podcast right now. It's all it good. Been, it has been too long. Um, but thank you for listening this week. We are going to be taking a little bit of a break next week. We're going to republish our interview that we did last year for Pride Month with the Watchpoint Pride folks with Oak and um, Nika. So take a listen to that. Um, it's still Pride Month. We made it in time. Um, initially, we were going to take this week off, but there was Overwatch 2 stuff to talk about. So um, take a listen to that again next week. If you haven't listened to it already, listen to it for the first time. It's a really good interview, and I really, I'm, I'm, I'm personally proud of that episode. I think it's one of my favorite episodes that we did and one of my favorite interviews that I've done with people. So um, happy Pride Month still to everybody, and thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you new in two weeks. Um, thanks everybody and adios. Next week, we update you on the Overwatch League and the world of gaming. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Send us an email at B-L-E-A-V-N-O-W-L at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with us, you can contact the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.